Chapter 21 The Covenant August 31, 1954 Good morning, friends. We have a habit at times of using a familiar word or expression for years without fully understanding its meaning. One such biblical word is covenant. The Bible has much to say about covenants, and the two parts of Scripture are called the Old and New Testaments, or covenants. The word covenant in Scripture has a root meaning, which means to cut or divide, and the usual meaning of covenant has reference to a covenant of blood. In the strict sense of the word, it refers to a blood brotherhood between two men. Two men, who are both independent and equal, having a great affection for one another, would agree to become blood brothers. After the ritual shedding and mingling of blood, they became closer to one another than any other relationship. They had a mutual obligation to guard one another from treachery and peril and to be ready to lay down their lives for one another. For a man to be faithless to his covenant ties was unthinkable. It made him an outcast and a worthless man. When a man made a covenant of blood, he had, as it were, a new nature. He took in the life of his new brother and henceforth had a tie of love that superseded all other ties and required of him a life that had a new orientation. Now obviously, the word covenant in the strict sense, as requiring two independent and equal contracting parties, cannot apply to a covenant between God and man, between creator and creature. The great and infinite God cannot be equated with the frail creature man. And yet scripture calls the relationship of God to man a covenant, but in this case a covenant of grace and promise. In Psalms 89:28, the word covenant is equated with mercy. Thus God, in his infinite mercy, makes a covenant with man. The meaning, I think, now begins to appear more clearly. The God of grace makes himself man's blood brother and says that in his mercy he will redeem man and do so by willingly laying down his life for man. This Jesus Christ did for the sons of the covenant. As our blood brother, having assumed our nature in his incarnation, he fulfilled his covenant obligation by dying for us and sharing with us the fruits of his victory over sin and death. To all who are covenanted to him by faith, he gives a new nature and a new life. This new nature, being his life in us, means abiding communion with him. At the Last Supper, he, quote, took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins, unquote. Matthew 26, 27 through 28. Our participation in the sacrament of communion means that we rejoice in our new life in Christ. We recognize that in ourselves we are dying men, but in him we have an eternal and incorruptible life and inheritance. Let's look again at the primitive ritual of blood brotherhood. When two men become blood brothers, the ties that bound them to each other made them responsible for the other person's family as well. Since they had a common life, they now had a common family. The same is true of God's covenant with us. We are taken into a family of God, quote, made partakers of the divine nature, unquote, and we share in a privilege of the household of God as sons and heirs by the adoption that is ours in the covenant. In like manner, when we by faith enter into the covenant of God in Christ, 
Our family becomes God's family. This is true even where only one of the parents are Christian. For as Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 7, the unbelieving mate is sanctified in the wife or husband who believes, and the children are accounted holy. This means that children of believers are under the covenant of God and the blessing of the Holy Spirit and are to be accounted as the Lord's until with maturity they specifically reject the covenant and pass out from under its jurisdiction. This is our great privilege in Christ, that our children are born into the household of faith and the covenant of their God. The promises of the covenant are not only to us, but to our children, and to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Adults can only enter this covenant voluntarily by faith and confession of Christ. Children are born into it. However, as Paul says, they are not all Israel who are of Israel. The children of believers are not all children of the promise. Let's take another glance at the primitive ritual of blood brotherhood. The relationship was under certain obligations or laws, and the ceremony was concluded by the exchange of gifts. The law of the covenant is the word of God, written on the tables of our hearts through the indwelling presence, and the gift of the covenant is the grace of the Holy Spirit, the covenant promises and privileges, and eternal life. Our gift must be our lives as a living sacrifice to the covenant of God, our time, our substance, our all. The covenant of a gracious God makes of us, who are poor, blind, and hungry, men and women who are heirs of all things in Christ. The covenant gives us nourishment, and it gives us life. Its fitting symbol is a table of communion, around which the family of God gathers to receive the gifts of the covenant. If we are not enjoying the privileges of the covenant, it is because we are guilty of refusing to partake of the table that is spread before us, even in the presence of our enemies, as Psalms 23 points out. Draw nigh, then, and share in the richness of the covenant God. Quote, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews 13, 20-21